0: app on TuneIn on the paranormal radio app and on midnight.fm and uh we want to say hello to everybody out there who you know tuned in last week and was surprised not to find us on the air we took valentine's day off because monies and i are in love and uh we decided to <laughs> right <laughs> well we took the night off because uh you know We figured everybody else wanted the night off. Everybody else had things to do. They didn't want to listen to Spooky South Coast. So we said, why make a new... I don't know how to fix that. It's... Nothing's changed over here that should be different for you. All right. Did. Try a different pair of headphones. It was working earlier. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I'll talk really loud if you can't hear me. So uh, we are going to be talking tonight about... Uh, a topic that I put up on my Facebook page the other day and it kind of hit a lot of uh nerves with people I, I don't I don't know what to tell you I can't yep, I can't fix it. it in the middle of we'll the deal show with it uh, so the the situation came up because and first of all before we get into that I just want to acknowledge before we go any further that uh tonight is a very well today is a very important anniversary it is the anniversary of the station nightclub fire so, uh, that, and of course, we've done programs on that in the past. Uh, we've had uh, Dave Kane on, uh, whose son, Nikki O'Neill, was one of the actually the youngest victim of the fire. And uh, we also have had, um, y- you know, other shows where we've kind of dedicated time to the memory. we lost people that we knew in that. And I'm sure a lot of yeah. you out there listening have, you know, lost people that you knew as well. Uh, and of course, you know, we're not supposed to talk about other. Radio station people when you're on the radio, but of course the doctor, uh, Mike Gonzalez, well, he perished in the fire as well, and, you know, very influential. I know I listened to him a lot growing up, I'm sure. Yeah, you, I, you
1: know, oh, I did, most definitely.
0: I'm, I mean, you were already grown up, but <laughs> but I, I know what you meant. <laughs> uh, but uh, so, you know, I, I don't want to not mention that uh, right here at the top of the show. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with it, go back and take a look and do some of the, uh, you know, do, do, do a little bit of reading about it. <clears throat> Because you'll see that, you know, in the years that have come out since, uh, there have been a lot of, there have been investigations done, but there's been a lot of changes that have happened in the way that bands can perform because of that. You know, they no more of those flash, those flash bangs uh, anymore in those smaller flash clubs. Pots. Yeah, no more of those in the, in the smaller clubs anymore. Uh, for a while, you know, WWE, which does this big uh, pyro display, Before the start of every TV show. And had pyro involved in everybody's entrance, you know, the uh, cane would come out, there'd be fire, and then they'd have all the other explosions for other people. They put all that on hold for for a while uh, while they were trying to figure out all the new regulations and everything. So, I mean, you never want to see a tragedy happen, but at least there has been uh, movement made to prevent that from happening again. So... Uh, We can continue on with, you know, any memories that you might want to share. We'll certainly allow that. We'll keep things open for that. But uh, let me get into the main topic that we want to discuss tonight. Because we know that this program is one that is listened to by a majority of people. Well, a majority of the listeners, I should say, are people that have interest, experience in paranormal investigation You know, we have people that are um, seasoned investigators. We have people that are just getting into it. We have people that have done it now and then, but, you know, they are not regulars at it. We also have people that will probably never do it, but just like to hear about the topics that we discuss. Uh, So, but we try to bring things up and bring up discussions that matter to the paranormal field. This topic that we're going to talk about tonight, unless you're involved in it, you might not think. It's that big of a deal, but I'm going to try to explain to you why it is. Uh, because it's an it's an issue. It's an issue that will uh, continue on as this new media continues on. So let me let me kind of explain. For those of you who don't investigate. This is, this is ridiculous. Here, see if that works. Does that work? Okay. All right. So Moniz can hear now, so don't say anything bad about him when you call in. There's a process involved with being able to get in and investigate a location. There's permissions that have to be granted. There's usually steps that you have to go through. Uh, there's the A lot of the places, and I'm talking about public places not you know private residences private residences is a different uh, private residences are a different story because you only have to really deal with the homeowner or a private business you only have to deal with the business owner but when you go to places like we do for a lot of our events where we try to help people raise money those are a little bit more involved and those usually require the permission of uh, the well, at least the person in charge of holding events at that location. But then sometimes there's a board of directors. Uh, if there's a historical society, sometimes it has to go before the whole historical society. If there is, if it's a town-owned property, sometimes you have to go before uh, people within the town, whether it be the park department or the board of selectmen. Uh, You know, or for those of you who don't live in New England and don't have selectmen, you know, your city council, your town council. uh, I know that, you know, not everybody runs things the way that we do here with the town meeting format in New England. But you have to go before a chain of people. And it's usually not just a one and done thing. Uh, There's um, there's steps in the process. The first step is getting the contact, getting somebody to return your email or your phone call, which. That's usually where most of our attempts at, you know, going to places to help them raise money, that's usually where it ends up getting stuck right there, uh, because that person that answers those emails says, "Eh, phew, we're not interested in that," or in some cases, they have the email address set up but nobody ever checks it. Yeah, I mean that happens unfortunately with a lot of historical societies because they're run by older people that might not have computers. So somebody goes in like twice a year to go clean out the email inbox and by then it's like, oh, we could have had that event, but I guess we won't now. So there's there's challenges in that. Just getting your foot in the door.
1: Or the other one that they no longer work there anymore or they're passed on, but well, nobody's I mean, updated.
0: Hope yeah. I mean hopefully they're yeah, hopefully they're not sending the 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 society emails to somebody who's no longer around, but it does happen. Yeah. And uh, the other problem, has happened. the other problem is that, uh, you know, the people that are reading those emails when they do, like I said before, they're being kind of the arbiters of whether or not they think this should go on. And some people might look at that and say, Oh, that means I'm going to have to be here till two in the morning. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. So, you know, it never even gets to the point of discussion, but then, if you are lucky enough to get somebody to respond and say yeah we, you know we might be interested in that we'll hear you out on that it's very rare that i get a message back from somebody and they say yeah let's do it i mean we were fortunate when we were running you know legend trips and doing spooky south coast events like we were at a point where we had people reaching out to us yeah so we didn't really even have to go out and like solicit new places but we still would because we want to give The attendees, yeah, a a chance to get into places they'd never gone to before. And plus, you know, we get tired of doing the same places all the time. So we tried to, you know, always keep at least a couple new ideas in the mix. But it was a different story, you know, when you were in the flow of it all the time and it was happening. Now it's like, okay, we haven't done anything in a while. People are asking, when are you going to do something? So then you go out and you look and you see, is there some place I can help that doesn't have this going on? Is there a place that looks like they could use an infusion of maybe a couple thousand dollars in one night so you start going through the process and if somebody does say yeah you know i think that's something we would be interested in then it turns into but i have to talk to the director i have to talk to the board of directors we have to present it to the society for a vote whatever it is that goes on however they handle it and so now you know i automatically think in that situation that no matter what day of the month it is, whatever the date is, I think it's going to be at least 30 days from that date before I get an answer because I can't tell you how many times I've reached somebody and they said, we'll talk about it at our next meeting. Well, when, when's your next meeting? Well, we just had our meeting last night.
1: So by month, so So, you've
0: got 30 days at least, you know, before the next meeting. So I kind of just, you know, make that, I make that plan in my head of like, it's probably going to be a month before I hear back at least. So But then they go and they bring it before whoever they have to bring it before. And then sometimes they vote without me having to, you know, go before them in any way. Uh, Sometimes I've had to provide a written plan of what the night's going to be. Sometimes I've had to submit uh, testimonials from other people that we've worked with. Uh, Sometimes I've had to tell them, you know, here is this person, this person, and this person who comes to our events. And maybe you want to reach out to them. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things they could ask for just okay. to verify that we're we're legitimate
1: insurance coverages and stuff like that what what we have for coverage and then there's the times what you know this you know we we put the application into a historical council and then it's no you have to actually now speak to the historical society right we, that you, happened <laughs> that
0: happened to me in wareham I, I went before a group at the town hall that listened listened to my entire proposal and uh, and and loved it but then told me they were the wrong people to talk to. But, and then I've had to go before, like in New Bedford, we wanted to do something again at Fort Tabor. I had to go before the park board and that didn't go well. Um, That's why we're not going to be doing any more events there. Uh, But, uh, you know, not that they were against it per se. Uh, I'm not going to put this all on the park board, but it just turned into a, you know, we think there's too much liability kind of situation. So the... But then you get to, you know, you get to have it go before whoever it has to go before. And then they give you the permission. And then like like Moniz was saying, you know, you have to then line up the insurance, uh, which a lot of times, sometimes they carry their own insurance and their own insurance will cover the event. Uh, but sometimes they don't.
1: You so get supplemental like what we We
0: have to get like single day event coverage, which is not cheap. You know, when you have insurance... Anybody that has car insurance or homeowner's insurance, you know how it works. You have what your premium is, and then it's broken up over months. And so, you know, it might cost you, I don't know, $2,000 a year for your car insurance, but now that's being broken up over the course of 10 or 12 months in the year. Mm. So it's a lot easier to digest with single day event coverage there's all no express, there's no yeah. spreading it out you're just paying what the premium is and and it all depends on how many people where the location is what the risks are all kinds of things so i have you know i've paid anywhere from just i mean i'm going to be open and and uh, honest about it i've paid everywhere from like 150 to i think the most i ever paid was 575 yeah, yeah. so and that's for one night 5 hours worth of insurance coverage. Uh and it's carrying a uh 2 million dollar policy. So 2 million dollars if somebody gets hurt or 2 million dollars if there's like damage to the building. Up it'll cover up to 2 2 million. So but also, you know, we have a business set up for this. So there there's there's legalities involved in it that, you know, I don't I don't want to bore everybody with it all, but you have to have protections so that if something does happen and you get sued, they're suing your company and not you. Because if if somebody, you know, goes to one of these historical events with us and they burn down a four hundred year old building because they were smoking inside when they weren't supposed to be smoking. I don't know. You know whatever whatever the thing might be. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, like maybe they're using some sort of plug-in electronic device and it overheats or, you know, who knows. It's not like paranormal equipment is made by, you know, people that are high-end engineers. Cite you
1: know, the light of candle and, you know.
0: Right. That's you, why you, yeah, we don't allow candles for right. that very reason. But you
1: get the point. Yeah.
0: And so you have, you know, damage that's done and now... You know, they want to sue us and it's it's beyond what the insurance policy will cover. So now it's on us to make up the difference. So if we didn't have that protection, like they could sue me personally and then I have to pay whatever the difference is and they'll just garner it out of my paycheck and I don't make that much. So, you know, it's going to take me 45 years to pay this person off. And so, you know, all these things are a factor uh, that people don't take into account when, when they put these things on. They just think, oh, I could run a ghost hunt event oh, I could, I could go make $100 a ticket easy. Like they don't understand that there's all these ins and outs and all these protections that you have to line up. So anyway, you get the approval, you have the insurance, you're ready to do the event, everything's happening, everything's ready to go. Now, everybody that's there is there with permission. Everybody that's there is okay to be there because... The location is benefiting from it as well as the person. And that's how it all works in a way that works beneficially. I see a lot of posts from people out there all the time that are, you know, paranormal investigators who don't understand why they reached out to this historic haunted place and they want a thousand dollars to come and investigate for the night. Who were they? to ask me for $1,000 to go and investigate their place when I do this for free and I I don't charge anybody for this and I give up my time and I pay out of my own pocket to travel there and to buy all this equipment and who are they to tell me that I have to pay them to rent out their place in order to investigate? I'm trying to help them. Well, here's the thing. They didn't call you looking for help. Correct. So they don't owe you anything. You're calling them because you want to go you there. And want check to it go out. there, yeah. And that is basically like saying, "I want to rent out a place privately."
1: Yeah, uh, or like I, I, I want this meal given to me because I fed other people right. going to another. Well, you know,
0: I come here all the time. You know, uh, you know, my fifth meal should always be free. No, it doesn't work that way. Um, so that's a, a that's another issue that that drives me up a wall is people that don't understand why, and then they attack people like us. Because we, you know, we get to go into those places. They'll let us go in because we're going to give them money. But, so now it's all about money in the paranormal. Like, no, we've never done these things because it's all about money. We've done it for the 30000 plus that we have raised for these places. We did it because we were- Last I checked, it still costs us money
1: to do these things.
0: We don't really make any money. The the places make money. We, we, we set it up in a way so that hopefully it doesn't take money out of our pockets, but it's we not- We don't
1: make any money. Yeah, though.
0: we're we're paid for our time for the night, you know, and
1: the- Which it, covers, but our gas and maybe a little- Well, anyway. I mean,
0: I'm trying to be honest here. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's got to be worth the time. If I'm going to spend months creating, advertising, running event, like, you know, that time costs money. And I, I probably average less than minimum wage for the amount of time that I put into yeah, these but, events. But-
1: the, the, it's not like the hand-over-fist people, other people. Right. It, yeah. it,
0: it's not like you're going to these, you know, especially in the early days of this paranormal surge oh, yeah. when they were charging three or $400 a ticket. Yeah. And, you know, they had every TV star there and all of that stuff, you know, and they had 200 guests. Like, that's not what we've ever been about. The most guests we ever had was like 95 at Edaville. And that's because it was Edaville, and we had plenty of room for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even then, as we're running it, we're like, this might be too many people. <laughs> and then... Um, it was a good date, though. We did the, the station events uh, when we could still do stuff at Fort Tabor. We did a couple Fun 107 events over there, and those had about 125. Uh, so, you know, that's when that's when you say... You know, I kind of miss those 40 person events where it's a lot easier and you get, you know, everybody's name when they're there. Uh, But anyway, so, you know, that's the reason why they're letting us go into these places is because we are raising money for them to continue on with their historic work. Most of these places don't care about the paranormal aspect. Mm -hmm. They will only utilize that as a way to bring in some more revenue. Um, So that's part of that. But again the key is we've had permission to be in all the places that we have been into. I think that we have very rarely even accidentally been in a situation where we were somewhere where we didn't have permission. No. I mean, just because we're so, you know, uh, uh, cautious. We have so much foresight about it. And also like, how bad would it look if we come on the air all the time and say, you have to get permission, and then we get bagged for going somewhere where there's no, where we didn't have permission. So we're always hyper vigilant about that, because we just don't want to look bad either, you know. Um, not only is it the right thing, but also, you know, sometimes it's sometimes it's iffy. So, for example, <coughs> and I don't want to mention it on the air by name, but there's a cemetery I, yeah. that we went to before. That is a popular cemetery for paranormal investigators to go to and has a lot of legends around it. But now the people who run it, the historical association that maintains it, they don't want people going there without permission. They don't want people going. So technically, every time you go to a cemetery after hours without permission, you're trespassing. Because they all have a sign on them that say closes at dusk. So... You, you know, even if they have the gates wide open or there is no gate, if they have a sign posted, you really can't be there. Um, so maybe that's like the only like black mark on our record is, you know, going to that cemetery without permission. Although I did get permission before we went. Yeah. I did reach out to somebody just as it turns out. I don't know if it was the case then. Like, I don't know who was in charge of it at that time, 2007, 2006. I don't know who was in charge of it then, but... It's certainly not the people that are in charge of it now. And um, so that's probably like the worst thing we've ever done. Uh, The topic that came up this week, like I said, somebody sent me a message and they said, Hey, check out this group because they're in Massachusetts and I know you're in Massachusetts. See what it is they're doing. And I looked and I'm not going to name the group because I'm not doing this to shame anybody in particular. I'm just trying to, you know, prevent people from following a bad approach. So when I look on this page, the entire page is them promoting their trips, their investigations to these abandoned locations in which they have broken into. And they're putting into it, their Mentioning like how they had to get into these places and they're putting it on their social media and they're tagging themselves in it and they're they're you know they're putting their real accounts on it in addition to their group account. and basically what they're doing is they're creating an entire digital you don't want to put those headphones on the microphone (laughs) they've created this entire digital footprint of them illegally trespassing and I can tell you that there are locations that pay attention to those things yep when you hashtag it with the name of the place that you broke into, and then they go into it the next na- time they go in, and they're like, somebody's been in here. The first thing they're probably going to do is go on social media and look to see who hashtagged it with the name of the place. So there seems to be, and it's not one particular. Especially
1: sh- if there's vandalism involved, <coughs> if, you know, in the process of breaking in, you break physical materials.
0: Yeah. And and this particular group that I saw actually took items from where they went.
1: That's you know, called larceny. They had Breaking a little and entering no, and oh, larceny!
0: Took ourselves home a souvenir. Hmm. Um, so, but w- I want to get into that a little bit deeper too, as as we go along with the discussion. The idea of you know that what can what can happen to you just by going in there without permission. But the group is, uh, you know, very proud of themselves for what it is they're doing. And I thought to myself, you know, well, how can you be that tone deaf to think that you can just break into a place? And I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say they didn't even have to actually break in. Like, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt and say they walked up and they, op- they tried the door handle and it was unlocked, so they walked in. Still trespassing. And so the issue is... That now that you're putting that out there, everybody's going to look at you and say, wow, you know, people that don't know any better are going to say, wow, look at this group. You know, look at Acme Ghost Hunters. They get to go into places nobody else gets to go into. And so you're doing it because you think it's building up your reputation. It's making you look, making you stand out amongst the crowd, uh, which I always wonder if you want to stand out amongst the crowd in the paranormal, Why? Are you doing this because you want to go and find answers? you want to help other people find answers? Or are you trying to stand out because you want to get yourself on TV? Or you want to get yourself, you know, famous? Uh, Basically, when I see somebody with a newspaper article and a streaming web show and all that kind of stuff, like, my first instinct is avoid. And I know that that shouldn't, that that's not fair. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that are just trying to get their name out there so that they can get more cases. And they're getting their name out there so that people know they're around because it's not like you can take out a newspaper ad. You know, it's like $600 a day to get a newspaper ad. Uh, and if, to be honest, if somebody said, hey, you know, we're, uh, we're the new uh, South Coast Paranormal Group. And uh, if anybody has that name, I'm, I'm not picking on you. I just tried to make something up. You know, but we want to get a, we want to buy an ad on WBSM. I don't think that the, the, the powers that be here would would take your money. Like, it's just not what we do here. You, you don't hear commercials for paranormal groups. So even if you were paying the money, I, I don't think that we would take it um, because there has to be some, you know, there's only so many commercials. And so you have to be judicious about what businesses you're working with. I don't mean to speak for anybody. If you want to come down here and drop, you know, $10,000 on an advertising package to promote your paranormal group, just come here and ask for me. Uh, But, (laughs) but I'm just saying like, it's not
1: voiceover work. (laughs) Uh,
0: Do you have ghosts in your house? Call. But, um, but, but my point is, you know, they don't have the money. Most of these paranormal groups. No. if the option was on the table to go out and buy advertising, they don't have the money to do that. Nor would they probably, you know, want to invest it in that because the the thousands of dollars it costs to get media, you know, com- commercials on TV and on cable access. I mean, on, on you know those cable commercials they feed in uh, when you're watching, you know, The Walking Dead and you see a commercial for, you know, something here locally. Like they have to pay to put those commercials into those, um, so you know most people can't afford to pay the the rates of that for a paranormal group because right. there's no income coming back in return. Um, so there's probably, you know, some value for them in getting their name out there in these different non-traditional ways. But I just when I see somebody doing it, I'm like, Ugh. like they're just trying to get themselves attention they're just trying to get themselves, you know, they think that they're going to be on travel channel. And and maybe they will be. And, and you know, more power to them if they if they do, but I that's just not what I'm looking to get wrapped up and involved in.
1: Okay. The way to appropriately go about <laughs> is the way that you know, we've done and other successful groups have done in the past. Mentor with another group that's been around and has already had the experience, if if it's possible, I understand well, in some locations there aren't that many people doing it. But, but know, I are- mentored with other with other investigators from the past. You, I introduced you guys to a number of people, and we've watched other groups do that, and that's how they become so, more successful.
0: There are ways to get it out there though yeah. for yourself with, without even having to go through that. In in the way that the world is in 2021, you can put out Facebook ads you know you know you can buy the ads through your own page uh, you can do that you can put stuff up in Facebook groups like town specific groups right you can um, you can put you know people still go to Craigslist and look for stuff uh, there's there's a variety of different ways let me tell you a little secret the best way to get yourself out there is to stop calling your paranormal group something that has nothing to do with where you live so don't call yourself You know, uh, specter, and then have that all kind of stand for something and have it not be related to where it is that you live. You know, if you live in Fairhaven and you want to have a group call it Fairhaven Paranormal Research, you know, like Andy Lake, Greenville Paranormal Research. Why do people go to his site all the time? Because he's SEO'd for Greenville Paranormal Research. So when people look for paranormal researchers in Greenville, Andy's name comes up. Right. Number one, and so that's kind of the way that you can get yourself the 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 referrals that you're looking for, the clients that you're looking for. Even though I hate that word client, but you can get the cases by putting out the right SEO for your website. Um, it doesn't work to only run a Facebook page. You want to have an actual web presence, and don't make the web presence all about you. Uh, put you know, you want to have SEO terms. That make people search. And by the way, if you want to, you know, get yourself a website, Town Square Interactive, just go to WBSM.com and click on Town Square Interactive at the bottom and it will take you over there and we will actually, you know, make you a site. Our our company, we have a branch of it where we make you websites and they make all that SEO stuff happen. And yeah, it costs money, but, you know, it's going to be exactly what it is that you're looking for. If that's not the route you want to go because your group doesn't make any money, there's plenty of websites. There's plenty of, you know, websites for dummies books. All the stuff that will give you the information to make it so that people will find your site. Um, But people go for the, you know, the catchy name or or what'll look good on a T-shirt. And that's not going to help people find you. But anyway, that's, you know, that's beside the point. Um, These people that are breaking into these places or or trespassing into these places, it's part of a new movement. And it's, well, it's not a new movement. It's been around for a while. But there's something called urban exploration or urbex for short, where people go and this is what they do. They break into abandoned places. They trespass on abandoned places and they take photographs. Uh, Some of them don't take photographs at all. Some of them just go to do it. Um, Whatever the reason that they, they are going to those places, they go and they do it. Do I approve of it? No, it's still trespassing. It's still illegal. But does it bother me that there are urban explorers out there? No, because it doesn't impact what it is that I do or the, the community that I work within. <coughs> what bothers me about the paranormal people doing it is that they have the word paranormal in their name. So now when you go to that group's page, it says, you know, Acme Paranormal Group with all these pictures and videos of them breaking into places. So now the people that run those locations will find them. They will be caught. Like, don't don't think that they're going to get away with it. Uh, So they will be caught, and that group having paranormal in their name is going to make the people that run that location think all paranormal groups do this. This is how they operate. And so it makes everybody else look bad. It makes everybody else look like amateurs because, I mean, we're all amateurs, but it makes people look less than um, respectable because you broke into a place and you're a paranormal group. Now let's just say while you were there, the police showed up and you got arrested. And it's in the police log. And somebody writes up a little story about it. Ghost hunters arrested breaking into old abandoned school. These headlines have appeared yeah. over and over it's, in the past. It's yeah. nothing It's nothing that is not, you know, yeah. you could Google that exact headline and you'll probably find 20 stories. Uh, so it's actually gotten to the point where there has been legal cases brought up as a result of it. There have been deaths. There, you know, there's been uh, multiple stories over the last few years about people that died on paranormal investigations that come to find out they weren't there with permission. Uh, there was a, a pretty famous case in Rhode Island at the Ladd School cool. yeah. where some high school age or maybe they were a little bit older. But these they got robbed.
1: The, no, they... no. Well, they, it also, that also happened, too. You're breaking into a location. A lot of times in these, quote-unquote, abandoned locations, they aren't as abandoned as you think. A lot of squatters and crackheads. Well, and uh, This is what happened in the land school. They broke in, and they got held up at gunpoint.
0: Well, famously, uh, when I went into... You know, we had an event at Fort Tabor. We had permission right. to be in Battery Milliken, and as we were coming out uh, to, to leave with one group to go get the next group to bring them in as we were walking out a group of kids were walking in with a case of beer yeah and the group of kids yelled at us what are you doing in here you're not supposed to be in here and we happened to have one of the one of the members of the military museum yeah. with us and they said no no you're not supposed to be here and then it turned into like you know the the kids basically telling us we had to get lost so that they could party uh, which that did not work out well for them but the the story i was thinking about of the lad school was There were some, I I forget what age they were, but they were definitely, like, late teenagers. They broke in. They were saying that they were breaking in there for paranormal investigation. And there was some hydrochloric acid left in, you know, a container. And this one guy, this one kid spilled the hydrochloric acid on his lap and burned off his... um, you know, yeah. and so th- he sued or his family sued the state for damages because they left. So they go to small claims court. A, they left a um, I mean, it was definitely small claims by the time the asset got done with it. Yeah, But they they basically wanted to sue for damages, saying that the state left the hydrochloric acid out there for anybody to be you know, burned by. And of course the counter argument is, but you wouldn't have been burned by it if you hadn't been trespassing. And like you had to literally break in to get in. So that case kind of uh, brought it to a lot of people's attention around here, but it still is happening in other places. Uh, years ago, I had the opportunity to talk with the um, Massachusetts department of public health Because when I was working for the different TV shows I was working for, trying to find locations, I wanted to get into some of their abandoned hospitals. And they talked with me at length about the problems that they have at some of the different locations. And at the time, uh, you know, the Paul Devers school was still around. And, you know, the person that I was talking to was from this area. And she specifically pointed out, she's like, I drive by Paul Devers school all the time at night and I see flashlights you know, I see people in there because they're going in there illegally. So, like, they're well aware of this being a, a problem. So I want to get, you know, the thoughts of the people out there that are listening. I want to know what you think about this. Am I overreacting? I mean, I guess I can ask that question. <clears throat> it's no. saying, like, you can't call yourself a paranormal group if you do this. Uh, as I put on my post, I would never want to consider myself, you know, the arbiter of who should be involved in this and who shouldn't. I have a lot of opinions about it. And I express those opinions privately to people that I know of in the field. Like, listen, if you're a clown and you're in the paranormal, I have probably pointed out to somebody in the past that you're a clown and that you shouldn't be in the paranormal. But I would never publicly put you on blast and say, like, we've got to get this person out of the paranormal. Uh, The only times that that's ever happened, and I, I really There's one person I think I've ever really done that to. I think I've only ever called out one, I mean, besides Steve Huff. Yeah. Yeah. Steve Steve Huff is, yeah, that's the, but I'm talking about a, you know, like an actual paranormal investigator, not somebody that's just trying to, you know, make a buck off people on YouTube. Um, And that, I won't give him, I won't give him uh, any more publicity here on the air, but, you know, the story's still out there. You can look it up. Google the most interesting man in Massachusetts, and uh, and you'll find out who it is. And uh, <laughs> you know, embarrassed myself with the Middleborough town of selectmen um, over because of this guy uh, when he put out a press release on Middleborough board of selectmen stationery about the investigation that was happening at the Middleborough town hall, and they were getting Fox twenty five to come down and everybody else. And, uh, it was when I first started like writing stuff for WBSM.com. And I wrote a whole article about how, you know, the Middleborough Board of Selectmen should never have done this. You know, you don't want to put out a press release saying there's going to be a ghost hunt because that's a paranormal investigation because that's inviting every idiot to come down and, you know, bang on the windows and drive by and honk their horn and all kinds of stuff. And, uh, I put the article out there was maybe out for a couple hours. And I got an email from one of the selectmen telling me how wrong I was, that they didn't put out any press release. And I said, but I have the press release on on Middleborough Board of Selectmen stationery and it has your name on it. He's like, I think you need to send me a copy of that. So I did. Then he wrote back and said, I never put this out. What? (laughs) So then I reached out to the guy. That was doing the investigation and, uh, you know, he never returned my emails after that. We'd been going back and forth and then I never, because he was going to come on the show. Okay. Actually, at one point, when we used to have the Week and Weird, he had reached out to me because he wanted to be our Week and Weird news guy. Because he was doing a similar type podcast and so he wanted to be our Week and Weird news guy and, you know, I was... Considering it because we either we probably needed somebody at the time or you know at the very least I thought it might make an interesting guest and uh, and as it turns out the dude is just a fraud he's just a con man and he cons people left and right I don't think that you can have a reputation of being a con man and then try to be in the paranormal and think that I'm going to take your investigations seriously. I mean this is this is a point a lot of people brought up on my post about the trespassing. The minute you go into a place illegally, I'm going to just assume that all of your stuff is fake. Because if, you if
1: you're going to the go law, that far, yeah. yeah how
0: yeah. can I trust that you are a real investigator? So that's there's part of that. But this guy was this guy's just a real piece of work. There was a, a car crash on Route 24 and he claimed to have witnessed the car crash. He claims to have gotten out of the car and gone over there to try to help. Now, he's also claimed to have won the lottery multiple times. Um, I, I really... starting to sound more and more like a mental illness. It definitely is, uh, in my opinion. I should say that. I'm not a doctor. Um there's other details. I'll tell you off the air, because if I start to Yeah, I got if,
1: it. if, it's a rabbit hole. Got it.
0: The minute the minute there's one key detail that the minute I reveal it, everybody that's listening is gonna know who I'm talking about. So I don't want to bring that on the air because again, I'm not trying to give this guy any publicity, but uh he he said that he saw this car crash on twenty four, that he pulled over and tried to help Save these two little girls and that they died in his arms or something. Like it was really like intense, the story that he told. (coughs) Excuse me. And then he went I think a week after the girls died, he showed up at their house, at the family's house, and he claimed to be a a medium and that the little girls were coming to him and that, you know, he could charge the family to help them reconnect with their lost little girls. So as far as I'm concerned, like
2: that's low
0: you're the you're the absolute worst kind of person that's ever called themselves a paranormal investigator, and so yeah, that person I did put out on social media, and we might have even mentioned it on the show, you know, avoid this guy at all costs, thankfully, he's gone away. I haven't heard from him in forever. he could have changed his name, but I haven't heard from him in forever, so I'm gonna hope that you know that has been yeah. exercised from the paranormal
1: that, that, no that's just
3: oh wow,
0: yeah. And, and and this is like this. There's. I'm not just telling you this because this is something that I heard. You can go and find the articles, and the articles mention all this again. Just Google the most interesting man in Massachusetts, and you'll be able to find it all. But the um. So that's the only time that I've really ever put somebody on on blast. But I am going to say, like anybody that is trespassing and going into these places, you are not only hurting yourself, not only. Uh, making yourself look stupid because no matter what you think you are doing uh you know if you think this is your way to get yourself on tv the first thing that any tv production company is going to look at on your videos is where are they how they get in there oh we want to get in there and they're going to start reaching out to those people and then the the People that own the locations are going to say, we didn't let anybody in there for paranormal investigation. And then you think that production company is going to call you? No, they're going to know that you break into places and they're not going to want anything to do with you because you've already stained your reputation before you've even had the chance. And the other part of it is uh, that, you know, the, with the, the YouTube and the YouTube revenue. And now with TikTok. People are geared on creating content for those platforms and other platforms too, but mainly those two when it comes to paranormal stuff. And I think they also do stuff on Twitch, you know, for paranormal stuff too, but they really like the ability to like monetize stuff on YouTube. And they really like the chance for things to go viral on TikTok. So it gets some attention and it gets them some money. So that's why they're doing these videos. And the people who are watching them, I think are just as guilty. Like if you are the common average TikTok user and you don't know the difference, I can't fault you. But if you're a paranormal investigator and you're supporting the people on TikTok that are doing these things, like you're part of the problem too. Then the, uh, the, the, the idea that, you know, the, the content supersedes doing things the right way. You know, I just want to, I just want to see, like I know they did it wrong, but I just want to see what they did.
1: So you, by that logic, you know, the the outcome outweighs the means that you did it is is supposed to be okay. Well, and and
0: is, not only that, but in some in some it's not so much that they just want to, you know, see what happens kind of thing it's like i know i'm never going to get in there so i just want to see what it looks like so i'm going to watch their video even if they went in there illegally like you're still giving them a view and that view is still making it okay like i felt bad looking at their stuff on their facebook page because it was like now i gave them a view you know like it's just
1: this may not be the same but that's like i look at it like when the Nazis were experimenting on, you know, the people I, they captured I'm, for I'm, your medical things.
0: I'm going to not go as far as to compare anybody.
1: I know that's not the thing, I, but the I don't want to is- get
0: I don't want to get canceled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, <laughs> Point taken. So, so that's,
1: that's another. Don't get me going on that. So, well, but,
0: I, but it, don't you, get me going because it's not going it, to. We're not going to agree on it. So there's no need to go down that path. But but that's the whole the whole idea is that you know, they, they know that they were probably, they probably know that they're wrong in what they're doing, but they think that getting the views cancels that out in the end. So if you're going to watch it just to see what it is that they did, then you're feeding right into what it is that they're trying to do. Uh, But that's, that's the culture that's popped up. And, and I blame the fact that there are, you know, these, these YouTubers who are doing these things that I can't say that they don't know that it's wrong because obviously they do. Everybody knows that trespassing is wrong. But there are these YouTubers that do it and do it to create the content and not to be paranormal investigators. You know, I can't think of some of the names of some of these channels, but uh, but that's like the whole thing. There's, there's like Exploring With, and I forget the guy's name, and like a lot of them, that's just what they're doing. They're going there and then exploring these abandoned places. But then... You know, while they're there, they'll be like, oh, what was that? Oh, we have this, you know, paranormal experience, but they're not paranormal researchers. Um, So they, they aren't, they're still wrong, but they're not harming the paranormal community as much. But I think now the paranormal people are seeing what it is that they're doing, or the people that want to be in the paranormal are seeing what they're doing and saying, oh, I could do that too. And so as long as I don't get caught, I'll be fine.
1: I it's not just the paranormal community. Uh you know, as you know, I've past couple of years I've been more going into cryptid things. Plenty of Bigfoot researchers, you know, heading out into private property looking for stuff without permission. I mean, same idea.
0: Yeah. And if you break, if you go into private property, I mean you can get shot.
1: Well, how's that any different from breaking into another place?
0: Uh, well, I think most people that break into like an old abandoned hospital, they think that they're going to get, you know, worst case scenario confronted by a security guard just yelling like, hey, what are you doing in here? Well, sometimes you can get confronted by cops. Well, but they don't they don't take into account, you know, like you were saying that lad school story, they don't take into account some of those other dangers. Yeah. Um, and, and I can tell you that there are other dangers just beyond that what happens if you break into a place
1: fall through the floor
0: and nobody goes there and inspects the place yeah. nobody's going to be there to rescue you, you yeah you know yeah uh, uh you know maybe if you were stupid enough to tag yourself as and wh- where you were on facebook you know eventually when somebody's looking for you they'll be like well the last thing they tagged on facebook was that they were at this place let's go see if they fell into a hole somewhere there and then they get there and they find out you really did fall into a hole um so that's that's kind of a little bit of the soapbox aspect of it. We can discuss this more when we come back on the other side, but I want to hear what you out there think. And I know some of our paranormal friends said they were going to call in and sound off on this tonight. And if you want to do so you're more than welcome to 508-996-0500 that is the number to call in and share your thoughts uh, if you want to put it on twitter too you can use the hashtag spooky live and i'll keep an eye out to see if anything pops up there uh, kiki says oh my god the story about the hydrochloric acid uh, right yeah. that's and i believe me every time i'm in a place that might have you know anything dangerous that's the story that always pops into my mind you know, and it's not just places that have hydrochloric acid. You know, we've been in places where, you know, even an old hat box, <laughs> you don't know what's in it when you go to yeah. open it up. <coughs> Excuse me. So you always have to be alert and aware of your surroundings and careful. And usually, if you go into places with permission, they'll tell you where the dangerous stuff is so that you don't get into those situations. So anybody that's ever gone into Battery Milliken at Fort Tabor illegally, you know, and you're wrong. Don't do it. Don't, you know, don't ever do it. But if you've gone in there, you know that there's a lot of places where you can fall and hurt yourself and fall into holes and trip over things and all that. But when we went there with permission, they brought us through and they showed us all that. And they said, don't go down here. Don't go down here. And by the third or fourth event we did there, we had gotten to the point where they're like, yeah, you can go wherever you want now because you know where all the bad areas are. So, you know, you have to, permission isn't just you know to to because it's the right thing to do and it's the law it's also for safety purposes we don't have to sneak into places with a flashlight looking around for the very first time because we get permission so we can go in there and see where the pitfalls are and where we can hurt ourselves and it doesn't mean we still haven't You know, tripped over things in the dark and what have you But at least we're better armed for it Uh, So we'll continue on talking about this When we return after the break Again, if you want to call in and share your thoughts 508-996-0500 That is the number to call in You can also email us too SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com If you would rather do that And you can also put it on Twitter, as I said Using the hashtag spooky live. And those are all the different ways to get in touch with us during the show. But again, we want to hear from you. That's the best way, and we can go back and forth. And I dare anybody that says they don't see a problem with this to call in and explain why they think that. Back with more Spooky South Coast in just a bit on WBSM.
3: Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more download the paranormal radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment the paranormal radio app free in google play and the ios app store
0: From Hawaii, uh, so she will hopefully be back next week on the program, uh, but uh, we have been talking tonight about the, uh, the idea that there are people out there in the paranormal that think that it's okay to break into places to get content to get themselves attention, and we'll take your thoughts on that, 508-996-0500, if you'd like to call in and chime in. I'll also say this too If you are listening on midnight.fm And if you're having any issues with sound quality You know, just download the WBSM app No matter where you live You can listen to us live on the WBSM app It is free And it is FM quality sound I listen all day long on the WBSM app at home Because I'm working from home and it sounds incredible. It sounds like um, you're in the room here.
1: Okay, so we have the ability to download something that's free that gives you better listening quality?
0: Yes, and it is. So then why not? And the other good part about it is uh, it also streams over your Alexa device. So if you have an Alexa and you want to listen to us on that, you can you know if you you can do it with the midnight fm but you know you also have to have tunein downloaded and you have to say you know alexa play midnight.fm on tunein so they don't have if, to be like lamone with you know a Canon string on top of a telephone pole well nobody should have to be like lamone but if you yeah. um, if you wanted to listen to us on your alexa device just enable the wbsm skill so just go into your skills and search for wbsm and then uh, enable that skill, and then all you have to say is, Alexa, play WBSM, and your Alexa device will play the station in that same FM quality sound. So you do have other options. If you live outside the area and you can't listen to us on the actual radio, there are very good options out there. And we thank our friends over at the Paranormal Radio app and tune in for carrying us, but you can't beat the sound quality on the WBSM app. I listen to a lot of different you know, audio apps, and it just sounds better than anything else. Oh, and by the way, if you do live in the area, and if you download the app, you get breaking news alerts whenever anything happens. So we send out alerts right to your phone when there's important South Coast news for you to know about. And if you... Download us just to listen to spooky South Coast, and you don't want to have all that. There's also the option to be able to turn that stuff off. So it's not like you have to feel like having the app on there is going to be intrusive on your phone. We you know we 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 are cautious of that for sure. But uh, one app you do want to download is you want to go and find the ultimate unexplained app because that has the kind of content I know this audience wants to hear, wants to read all the time. Uh, It's all the great paranormal content from ultimateunexplained.com, right in an easy-to-download app, and uh, you can get it from wherever you get your apps. Or you can go to ultimateunexplained.com, and all the information is there to be able to download it. But we send out the notifications when we have some really cool stories there about ghosts or aliens or cryptids or even true crime stuff. So uh, I think you'll all enjoy that site, and I certainly think you would enjoy having the app so that you can have it delivered right to you. Uh, as the stories break. All right, so we are taking phone calls 508-996-0500. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. You're on WBSM on Spooky South Coast. Hello.
4: Hi, uh, Tim. Hi, it's Eileen. Hi, Eileen. How are you? Hi. Hi Matt. How are you guys doing
0: tonight? All right, Eileen. So, good you you good. must have some thoughts on this.
4: Um, yeah, I do. I I mean, it's I totally agree with you. I think it's absurd that people, you know, it's a horrible thing for people to just go in some place and trespass without permission. And, um, I, I was seeing, I saw this, um, it was an urban explorer, uh, YouTube channel. One time it just popped up on my, my YouTube for some reason. I didn't even, you know, I wasn't even, uh, searching for it, but, Um, this guy not only does he go into I don't know if would include this I don't know if he's like a paranormal um, person but he's an urban urban explorer who goes into these abandoned buildings also he goes into people's uh, homes like he would go into um, a person's home and it looked like they were they you know like it was lived in maybe a month ago or something and they're like um he's doing this streaming video
0: That seems really um, illegal.
4: Yeah, I was like I was like really like taken aback by that and I um you know, I would just like leave a comment like, you know, what are you doing there? <laughs> this was somebody's home and you're like rifling through their stuff. Like I I don't know if they if they took anything, but this seems to also be a trend as well like where they're going into not just abandoned buildings, but they're also going into, like, abandoned homes. And I don't know if it's because of the pandemic. Like, maybe some people um, had to leave their home. Um, you know, their home was foreclosed or something. I don't know what the reason is. But, or it could
1: be in the um, state. Somebody's died and their children haven't had a chance to do anything with the but, house but yet. But still
0: somebody owns it. Yeah. it <laughs> still should be yeah. in there.
1: At the bare minimum, a bank.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was, I was, um, you know, I, I was kind of like that. That to me is 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 very uh, creepy
0: too. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you remember, so, but when when the pandemic really started, like you know, uh, intensifying, uh, like mm-hmm. back in May of last year, like Randonauting debuted, and uh, the 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 app mm-hmm. that came out, Randonautica was the app that mm-hmm. people were using. And so this was an app that people were putting in oh, yeah. it was like I giving you coordinates. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. but you know, uh, you know, we we interviewed the 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 guy that created it and he said like it's not made for you to go trespassing. Like it's not supposed to bring you to places that are owned by somebody else but we tell you outright if they are don't go there. But it doesn't right. you know, people just don't listen. Mhm. There's That's like true. it's it's almost like they have uh you know some sort of sense of entitlement that because you know, oh well, I'm filming for YouTube. Like, that's supposed to allow them mm-hmm. to be able to go wherever they want.
4: Exactly. yeah. there's also a place um, that I've been uh, researching in Queens where where I live, uh, Queens New York Bayside. Um, and uh, there's the area that I'm that I'm researching has a lot of abandoned buildings and um, the fire department, the New York City t- t- fire department also, Um, resides in the in the space as well and um, so there's some buildings that are that are being used and then there's some buildings like half of the buildings are abandoned and um, so I don't you know like I know like for me too I just take photographs of the exteriors of the buildings but I don't like I would never go into a space even if the door is like wide open and I'm like oh you know, um, I would always, I would get commission before ever doing something like that. But I noticed, like, a lot of, um, there's an abandoned hospital, too, on the premises. And, the um, you know, there's a sense around it, you know, this fence to keep people, trespassers, out of there. But, you know, people find a way to get in there. <laughs> and and uh, one time there were, like, these little kids on bikes, you know, like, I, it kind of, like, reminded me of, like, Stand By Me, the, you know, that were uh, these three little punks. <laughs> <laughs> they were, like, preteens, and they were going into there, into the the hospital, and I was a little concerned because it's, like, dilapidated, and I'm like, I hope nothing happens to these, these little kids. You know, my mom instincts kick in because I have two boys, so. And I was, like, going to go up to them, and I was like, oh, they're probably going to curse me out. You know how little kids are. <laughs> These days, they're just, like, a little a little uh, rude. But Right. It used to be like, hey, you're you not know. my
0: mom. Now it's, like, things that you would never even want to repeat to anybody else.
4: Exactly. <laughs> so, but I totally agree with you with that. Like, you just, you know, you have to get permission. It's just not right to do that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for calling in.
4: Yeah. Thank you for uh, letting me talk. <laughs> well, call
0: in any time. <laughs> All right. Love have, you guys. Love you, too. Thank you. Take care. 508 996 0500 is the number. Yeah, nice to hear from Ellen. She's always listening, but uh, I don't know if she's ever called before. So hopefully hopefully she'll make it a regular thing. 508 996 0500. Good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. Hello.
5: Hello. How are you? Hey, I'm pretty good. Uh, I'm listening to your show. I have a question How common are orbs
0: floating around a building? Very common. Okay. But what, uh, but whether or not they're paranormal is a different story. So orbs are generally, you know, 99% of the time, they're caused by either dust in the air, moisture, moisture in the air, or bugs in the air. All of those things reflect refer, reflecting back the light of whatever the, the camera is, whether it be a flash or whether it be an IR light or anything like that. So usually that's what, or even just another light source, you know, in the room, but generally, that's what an orb usually is. So if you're okay. in a building, you know, everybody's like, oh, there's no dust in my house. My house is clean. There's still dust, dust. in your house. Even so,
1: clean rooms have dust.
0: Right. So most of most orbs are explainable as that. Not all, uh, but that still doesn't necessarily mean that the ones that aren't explainable are paranormal.
1: Most true orbs are self-luminous. You see them without the aid of a camera. They are visual to the eye. And they are usually... Color and most times they're a natural cause, a uh, form of the fifth state of matter called plasma, and that is generated by an energy. Now, what is creating that energy that may be paranormal or not, but if you're seeing an orb in a camera, more than likely it is dust, moisture, bug, or something else.
5: Okay, a little backstory. Um... I owned a restaurant in uh, Rhode Island, very popular restaurant. I haven't owned it in many years. And we had surveillance cameras up. So one night, either myself or one of my partners were reviewing in the office um, the security system for some reason. And it had night vision capabilities. And there were like these orbs that would just go into walls, shoot across the things. We slowed them down. They seemed to be transparent. And I actually, uh, a person that was working for us was really into the supernatural. And she got some uh, paranormal company out of Rhode Island somewhere. They came down. I showed them the security footage. And they're like, oh yeah, well, we want to set up you know, come in there like Ghostbusters and set up overnight and be in the building. But the owner of the building didn't feel comfortable with that. So the story was it was a former dairy uh, built, I guess, in the teens or early 20s. And supposedly someone got killed in the building in the 20s or late teens. I was just curious with your experience. These were very distinguishable. They weren't bugs. They weren't dust. And they'd appear once or twice a week. And then we started looking for them. And we had many occasions where they were looked like baseballs floating around. Sometimes they'd go very slow in front of the camera. Other times they'd just like zip.
0: It, it was kind of weird, so I was just curious well, if... So you said it was a Rhode Island restaurant? Yes. Was it Hooters of Warwick? No, sir. Because <laughs> then I'd want to <laughs> review the footage myself. Um, yeah, no. Just,
1: <laughs> lovely
5: orbs. <laughs> just, Many, sorry. Uh, I, I, I had sold to. my share in 2015, so this was maybe... 20, we opened in 2013 it was
0: either 13 14 or 15 so but you, you you said it was they were transparent these orbs yeah so you could see right through them so then actually to be honest with you usually when that happens in my experience yeah, that that no i think that is a bug because what you're seeing in the in the actual the orb reflecting the ir light is from the, the wings wing of the bug. Yeah. So what's happening is the wings are moving at such a fast speed that when you try to look at this it, capture of it, you're not going to see a solid right, thing.
1: Right, because the frame rate not matching the wing beat rate. So you know, that, a in, halo.
0: in my experience, that's usually what it is. So, you know, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm not saying that your restaurant wasn't clean and that you had bugs. I mean, a, no. a, a bug gets in all the time. I mean, there's flies, oh, there's yeah, moths. I, I
5: understand that. So we, we go frame by frame. And they were a circular object. And we took pictures of us with our phones of the uh, security monitor. And they, like I said, they were, they looked like the size of baseballs. And you'd see one go from Whoa. left to right, right to left, bottom to top, top to bottom. Sometimes yeah. it was just a pinnacle right through a wall.
0: Yeah, baseball size, I think, you know, no matter how fast it was moving, if it was a bug, you would catch it, you would catch its its body at some point because the bigger bugs just aren't going to move as fast as the smaller ones. Um, so, yeah, that, no, that is very interesting. Uh, but it, it, do, you, do you still have, do you still own the footage yourself? Do you still have a copy no, of it?
5: No, it, uh, I sold out to my two partners. They ran it for a few years after me, and then they sold it to the new owner.
0: But you didn't. you didn't keep the footage at all for yourself? No, because when I sold out, it was like,
5: okay, We'll give you X amount of money. I had suffered my third heart attack, and I just went my way.
0: And you said if and there are we, ghosts, they're your problem now. Can I ask well, a quick question? Well, like I said, we would we just, it, it, after the
5: first sighting, we made it a point to review this, the film every day.
1: All right, can I ask, and ask your question? we were only
5: open three days a week, so, you know, you'd catch it on a Friday night. And then the following week, you'd catch it on a Sunday which or I a have... Sandy.
1: Sunday. Can I ask a question? Yes, sir. Were there people in the room ever when the orbs were being videoed?
5: No, This we used to close okay, so, okay. at 9 p.m. These would happen anywhere because, again, the, the security system had a timestamp. Right. It happened 1.30 in the morning, 4 in the morning. There was definitely nobody in the building.
1: But you only turned the cameras on when you were leaving. Yes. Okay, so these things could have been videoed during the day while everybody else was there. Well, no, well, no, because they
5: okay. always seem to be on the, the night vision,
1: the, right. the black night, and white. It was the, the night vision thing. is the worst cameras to deal with okay. when you're dealing with videotaping things because, they're, number one, their frame rate is off. Number two, okay. uh, I work in my job here is is a scientist, and I deal with this kind of stuff all the time. Things being reflected in IR light are far more uh, reflective, so it generates more for the CCD to capture, Okay? okay? So dust, even though it's a small particle, is reflecting a lot of that IR light back to the camera. And it may look like a huge baseball or basketball only because it's closer to the camera lens, and the camera can't focus on that as a fine point. The other thing to note is nobody sees these orbs while they're there, physically or glowing. You got where I'm going with this? Well,
5: basically, this happened in our office, and we were always in the front of the house, you know, cooking, taking orders. Right. And they were, like I said, It was a, a at the time, it was a very good, expensive security system. Yeah, it's, it's made
1: for finding people, not looking at small, fine objects yes, floating yes. through the air. Yeah. It's it's a limitation of the equipment, is what it is. Okay. Yeah.
5: All right, no, I just always found it interesting, especially, you know, you hear, oh, it used to be a dairy, and right. oh, someone died or was killed back in the late teens, early 20s, so...
0: All right, thank you, gentlemen. Wait a Very interesting you, show. It used to be a dairy. Yes, I'm not going to ask you to name the place, but does does it seat a lot of people? Excuse me. Does it seat a lot of people? The restaurant? Um, no. Okay. So, I just I was just was thinking in my head about a, a different story. So no, okay. okay.
5: No, this is in Tiverton, Rhode Island, uh, three four hundred yards from the mass. Uh,
1: State line. I think I know where you're talking about. I used to live on Mount Hope Ave in Fall River. Mm-hmm. I, I I think I know the restaurant you're
5: referring It's to. a it's a very popular seafood restaurant. Yep. That's
0: as far as I'll go. All right. Right? No. I know where you're referring. All right. Well, thank you very much for the call. Thank you. Interesting show. Good night, man. Thanks. Thank and good you. night. Bye. If you would like to call in, 508 996 500 Eight seven seven nine nine six four. No, I don't know if we still use that number. Five eight nine nine six zero five hundred. That's good enough. So, yeah, I mean, listen. A lot of restaurants, <clears throat> you know, they have those those security cameras, and uh, especially, you know, the time period that he was talking about, uh, it was very popular to go out and get those DVR systems that had the multiple night vision cameras. Right. You know, we've used them in investigations before, and the the you were right. Like the quality on them were so. They weren't bad. I mean, certainly right. you could catch somebody that was breaking right. in at night, and right. the police They're, could use that to identify them. Right.
1: But in terms of, They're, they weren't HD type of things that you were get. Yeah, and it's the, limited the, to the technology's ability at the time.
0: The stuff that you have nowadays, uh, with you know these ring cameras and uh, all these other like security systems, you can put in. Like, I know. Um, Verizon and Comcast have their own security systems you can put in and then it all goes to your phone on an app. You can like the picture quality on those are incredible. Uh Whoa. But even those, I would still, you know, be hesitant to, you know, say anything could be paranormal from the footage on them.
1: Well, anything that uses IR light to uh, look, you're going to get this thing coming back. I deal with a particular like, like, a, ins-
0: like a ghost hunting paranormal show. <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> they,
1: they use IR light. Well, I use various forms of light in my regular day job, analytical chemistry. You know, I use a thing called an FTIR, A's Transfer Infrared Technology. It gener- You use wavelengths of IR light to uh, send to a chemical, and it has a particular signature coming back of wavelengths that it reflects. So, I'm... Um, quite familiar with how the material works and some materials even though it may not be reflective as much in regular light ir light and what the imager picks up picks up a hell of a lot more than what your eye would see so something that you wouldn't see with your naked eye the camera itself will pick up greatly because it's reflecting back those wavelengths of light so much
0: by the way, I was being sarcastic when I said the ghost hunting TV shows because they film yeah. in IR. They yeah. film at like 4K or above. Like they're not filming at the same, you know, the same low quality yeah. cameras that people are putting in yeah. right. for security. Right. Uh, and it's, and I also have noticed too that, you know, not that I watch a lot of the programs, um, but the ones that I have caught here and there, I've noticed they're, they're starting to move away from a lot of the IR stuff too anyway. Yeah. I just think people had enough of, of seeing it like that. And also, you know... Uh, eventually it gets to the point where even if you, you know, the, the people who are watching these shows, they have such high quality equipment at their house to watch these that they don't even want to sacrifice that little bit of quality to get the IR factor, you know, like, no, no, I'd rather have low light at (laughs) eight K (laughs) than you know, the, the picky people like me that are like, no, I didn't pay all this money for this TV to get some low quality IRs, you know, for 15 minutes a show. Um, but uh, speaking of shows, uh, you have Netflix, right, Monies? Yes. Do, do you do you watch the true crime documentaries that are on there? No. There's one that's out there now. Uh, you know, we we were we were complaining about people on the internet. You know, the the urban explorers, the YouTubers, the TikTokers, uh, in the first hour. And we'll still take your calls on that five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. But there was there's a documentary out there right now about the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles. Okay. and the Elisa lamb case uh, are you familiar that's, with this case that's
1: the girl that went up in the elevator and the weird video and they found her dead I the, think
0: they found her in the water tank on the roof mm-hmm. yeah. naked with her clothes in the water tank too but nobody knows how she got in there yeah. and you know all of that um but I, I want to focus on a particular part of that so in that documentary they interview uh, quite a few of you know the terminology is web sleuth People who saw this video online and decided to dig into it more, you know, armchair yeah. uh, investigators sitting at home on the computer uh, using the footage that they get from the news to try to dissect this more and to, to dig into it more. And while I don't see a problem with people, you know, having an interest in something and looking into it a little bit more, uh, this documentary gave them way too much uh, airtime And way too much credit You know, it's the equivalent of Just to, you know To use as an example here We have the, the highway murders 30 plus years now of being unsolved But everybody on the internet Has a theory Everybody on social media Every woman talks about how she dated The highway killer in the 80s You know, her ex-boyfriend or her ex-husband Was definitely the highway killer Um And, you know, all of this stuff. And to me, that's just what this whole web sleuth community sounds like. It's like just a bunch of people trying to insert themselves into a story. And they don't really have the training or the expertise to make a difference. And they just, you know, it's an interesting part of the story and it should be told in the documentary. But out of a four-hour documentary, which was way too long, they could have told the whole story in half that time. But a good half of the time that they spent on it was spent talking to these web sleuths, and of course, none of them turned out to be right with the stuff that they were putting out. But the interesting part of it was there was a a a black metal musician. Not not that he was black, and that he was a metal musician. He plays black metal. You know. Yeah, so I, I know. You, no, but for the audience's sake. Oh. So what what I mean by that is it's it's not just the typical like heavy metal, it's very dark overtones, you know, uh, talking about murder and talking about death um, and having that kind of um, imagery involved in it. And so uh, I think he calls himself morbid. And so he happened to stay there at the hotel and filmed the video of him at the hotel. And these web sleuths, and I'm not trying to spoil anything for people that haven't watched the documentary yet, but these web sleuths Had they were convinced that it was this guy that did it because he was at the hotel the same time she was, or right near there. As it turns out, he was there a year before, same month, but a year prior for like two days. And they destroyed this guy's life. They, like, he they get him on camera for the documentary. And what I found interesting about it was they got him on camera telling his whole story about how these web sleuths like ruined his life by accusing him of murder. Like every time he put out new music, put a new video up on YouTube, they're in the comments like you're a murderer. you know, you know And they're like trying to actively get him, you know, taken yeah. down and, uh, it, you know, they're, they're hurting his musical career in addition to having a huge effect on him, you know, personally and psychologically. So, they talk to him about it and they get his side about how they ruined his life. And then what I notice is none of the web sleuths that they interviewed react to what it is that he's saying. Now maybe the half a dozen or so that they talked to that they were showing clips of, maybe some of you know, maybe none of them were involved in this part of it, but somebody should have been held accountable for that. Somebody should have had to say like, yeah, we were wrong in that regard. And yeah, we probably went too far, but instead they kind of portrayed them as being like these, uh, you know, the, like they were cracking the case and there have been some cases where web sleuths have helped, you know, crack the case, but not in this one and not enough to devote 50% of the airtime of this documentary to them. So I just, yeah, I, Kind of wanted to get that off my chest a little bit because it's been bothering me since I watched it last weekend just how terrible that is. But it also kind of ties into, you know, what we're talking about tonight, that you think that because you have a webcam and a YouTube account that that gives you some kind of, you know, special access or special voice. And uh, he'd he'd sell it to you, but you don't. I mean, if you want to create content and people want to pay attention to it, sure. But that doesn't make you... You know, it doesn't make you an investigator. It doesn't make you somebody who has the right to uh, insist on being able to film where you can't film. That's uh, something that they actually show in the documentary. Now, the hotel wouldn't allow them to go in there and film. So they all just went in there and snuck their phone cameras in and filmed. Like, that's that's still not Okay. You still did that without permission. So, I I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to sound like, you know, somebody's dad here being like, oh, you better not break the law. But I take privacy laws seriously, and especially since I work in the newsroom and we have to know what the lines are.
1: Yeah, we're held to a slightly different standard, but still it's just basic common sense. If you're dealing with something that already has a, we'll call it, a rocky basis of belief to start with adding, you know, criminal activity is not going to help your believability factor.
0: Also think about the bigger picture of all of this too. Like we're saying here's an unsolved murder. We don't know what's going on. Let's go to random YouTube person and ask them what they think. Like in a real news story, you would hear that and be like, how are they qualified to be involved in this? Like just because they were obsessed with it.
1: Well, you also play devil's advocate here. How many times does you know interviewers or journalists go out to interview the man on the street about their opinion of what happened?
0: Right. Yeah, but I, that, if
1: you're doing it that way, yeah, I understand. Yeah,
0: but the man on the street stuff is like it's it's a time filler. Like that's yeah, what it's yeah. for. It's because you don't have anything what, else to do it with the story. Sounds like the same thing here of what
1: you're describing to me.
0: Oh no, they're 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 giving these people weight. In this, you know, like... Not that's,
1: just filling time with it. Right, they're giving okay. them
0: weight. They're like, oh, this is a big, big part of the story. And it is part of the story, but I don't know. I just felt like it was... It felt off to me. And the fact that none of them could stand up and say, yeah, we were wrong. We ruined a guy's life with our, you know, garbage conspiracy theory uh, because we didn't really do a good enough job of web sleuthing the truth about it. You know, I can... Uh, you know, I, I, I will forever hold that It just wasn't a great documentary overall I know I know a lot of people out there have enjoyed it From a technical standpoint They just kept repeating the same stuff over and over again And it was twice as long as it needed to be Alright, let's go to the phones 508-996-0500 Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast
3: Hey, anybody want to buy a ghost arc?
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen I still have one that actually works I just don't I know. know where I... all the knobs went When they fell off
3: Yikes! That's bad. <laughs> Maybe they're in Italy somewhere, right? Mm.
0: Uh, I don't know if they're still in Italy. Does Italy have extradition laws for fraud? Uh, I don't know. I, you would think so, right? Or they are in Argentina?
3: <sighs> I don't know. I was hopeful with that thing.
0: So it with that
3: device,
0: didn't if I remember right? Didn't you come down here to see it when I first got it? I did, and I think we used it on um, the
3: USS Salem. Yeah, we did. I think it 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 definitely had, like, a decent response time on certain things, but it's funny how, you know, a few years later you think about it, and it's like,
0: hmm. It did not have the shielding that they say that it did. That I know for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a recorder, it worked pretty cool. Like, it had cool... Cool um, features. Yeah, like, the way that you could kind of slow it down, and you could play it, you know, you could could, um, slow-mo it as you were playing it back. Like, there were a lot of cool little features to it, but certainly... It was a giant scam and, uh, and, and I, I own it. You know, I own the part that we played in putting it out there. I wanted to believe that it could be what it was. and uh, you know we didn't make any money off promoting it. We were really just trying to get the word out to people that they could save money and buy one device instead of buying 10. Uh, we were lied to about the, you know, the, the level of quality control that went into it. And uh, we were used, and I I will admit that, you know, got used completely for it uh, because they wanted to have people that they felt like uh, they had some credibility and that, you know, that if if, if I said it was okay, maybe some people would buy it, and it just, it was garbage. But it looks really pretty in the dark.
3: (laughs) That it did. And, hey, you know, at least it doesn't go for, like, $15,000 on uh, eBay
0: with certain other devices. Yeah, and let me tell you this, too. Remember, uh, there's yeah. th- there's a chance that every piece of paranormal equipment that you buy is garbage that's just fraud, too. So, like, it wasn't like this was any different. Just because this had a bunch of hype behind it doesn't mean that it's any different than the, you know, 15 other devices that have come out that have turned out to be garbage. This is true. This is
3: true. Although I still do, I still want to try to get my hands on one of those uh Voice recorders that it's properly used, but <clears throat> that's neither here nor there. Right. So I was thinking of the topic tonight, and uh, you know, I, I think it's important that like one thing that you know, as an investigator, you do is when you go into these local places, is like maybe talk to the police before, let them know there's a group going out there, make sure that it's okay to go there, just clear things up. You know, the more you communicate with some of these public places, the better off you can be. And, um, you know, that's happened a few times and never had any issues. Just my perspective.
1: No, it's always a good idea to try and clear it out with the powers that be. Not just, you know, the property owner, if you're going to a, a place that is, you know, remote or what have you. We usually ask the police to do what's called a courtesy check. In other words, we invite them to come to the location at a particular time at location on the property. We send somebody out, and we meet the officer and say, yep, we're fine. Thank you for dropping by and checking on us. And you Well, know.
0: And, and, and something that we don't broadcast, uh, but we actually have people who come to our events who are in law enforcement. True. Yeah. Uh, we've had people who have...
1: It's, it's been <laughs> lucky on a few occasions to have them. I, I'll yeah, say... I won't
3: name any names
0: but (laughs) My favorite I don't know if you were there that night Ross But we were at the SK Pierce Mansion And I think it was the first Or the second one that we did I think it was the first I think it was the Legend Trips one Where they required us To pay for a fire um, A fire marshal to be there The entire time And the fire marshal ended up not We were paying him, I think it was like 200 bucks or 400 bucks to be there for the night. And instead of like just hanging back and watching, he's walking around with the key too. Yeah. yeah. He was, abs- yeah. he was actually investigating and actually to the point where he was being obnoxious about it. Like he was, he was cutting off the people that paid to be there to like be the first one to go into a room or something or to be the first one to use a device. And we had to be like, dude, calm down. These people paid to be here. Like you got to give them first crack, but he was just so excited. It, it was yeah. just funny.
3: I think I do remember that. But no, I mean, you know, and I, I think probably one of the worst things, too, is maybe this wasn't mentioned, but, you know, you got, if you have an actual event that comes up and you have people that kind of create their own sub-investigation on it, it's almost like kind of a really crappy subreddit post, you know, like <laughs> when they, they start their own paranormal investigation or they think that they need to do a exorcism or something like that on a hot highly contested uh, paranormal
0: location. Yes. Yeah. I, I We've had to do that. We've actually had to pull people aside and say no, no, no. We're not playing that game tonight. We're not doing the... Uh, we're going to help these spirits move on. Uh, there was One of the last events that I put on um, was... I don't want to name anybody. I won't name the location either because I don't want the person to feel bad. But the person was like very much came in. You know, I'm a psychic. I'm a medium. And kind of announce everybody that like it's her thing to help spirits move on. And I had to like pull her aside and say, if that's what you do, you don't do it here unless you are specifically asked to do it because exactly. they didn't ask you to come here tonight to do that. They asked you, you know, they, they allowed us to come here tonight to investigate. So, it, but it's a problem. I mean, we've, we've had numerous times that's happened. It is,
3: you know, and it's funny cause you were talking about the CISO hotel, um, documentary i've watched both of them one being a very and um the other being a you know the one on netflix and i actually kind of like the one that was on discovery plus not to do any plugs um i thought it was a little little more well-rounded investigation versus the one that was on netflix
0: yeah i haven't yeah I, i haven't seen that one yet but that was the ghost adventures episode right
3: it was yes, and it was actually it's very enjoyable because they covered a few different people that had stayed there, which I thought was covered a few different aspects of paranormal, true crime, and other aspects of uh, kind of the whole spooky genre, if you want to say.
0: Well, it, you know, they've got the best researcher in the business, so. Cool.
3: <laughs> well, you know, and and kind of what you were saying about the. Uh, The Cecil Motel documentary kind of reminded me about the Zodiac Killer conspiracies and the theories that come up with that, you know, like my dad, my uncle, uh, my next door neighbor was the Zodiac Killer. Ted Cruz. It's just, right, right, right. Even though he was born after
0: the Zodiac murders. Exactly. (laughs) You know, it's just, it's kind of a
3: hysteria that comes up and not to mention, but you know, they kind of like didn't do a very good portrayal of the type of music that I play in bands for, so. I'll just leave
0: that out there. <laughs> That's a very good point. All right. Well, thank you for the call. All
3: right, Tim. Have a good night. You, you too. Back. Take care. You too. Thanks.
0: Right. 508-996-0500. Uh, that was one of the funny memes that I saw going around this week, though, you know, because Ted Cruz took off for Cancun while Texas is without power and water. And, uh, and somebody put up, you know, Ted Cruz released a statement as to why he left on vacation during all of this. And it was just one of the Zodiac letters. I thought that was a pretty funny meme. Are you familiar with that whole conspiracy theory? No. So there's there's actually people out there that were supporting the idea that Ted Cruz is the Zodiac killer. Oh,
2: uh, okay. I don't
0: know where it came about. Like, I, I, I looked into it once and I just forgot, like, the basis the of it.
1: Zodiac... And, has uh, happened in the late 1960s and he wasn't born until like what 71, 72. I think,
0: I think, I think this the murder started in 67 or 68 and he was born like 69. So it was yeah. like, you know, and even if he was born like when they started, yeah, yeah. could a four year old have done the Zodiac murders? <laughs> no. Probably not. So, I mean, it just chronologically doesn't make sense. And if it's, somebody's calling in to tell me, you know, the real story about the Ted Cruz, I don't want to. Even give that airtime because it's ridiculous, but it's it's still funny. Like it's funny when people bring it up in memes. Okay. Um, but that's uh, yeah, that's. <laughs> now there's plenty of other you know zodiac theories out there that are probably you know have some valid uh, validity and are worth looking into. The Ted Cruz one, not one of them. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Hello.
2: Good evening.
0: How are you? in uh
2: talking about ghost hunting devices, yes um, fish finders fish locators with sonar can locate fish people in which some of them are friendly, good fish people, other. Are are demons? They're evil. <clears throat> and uh,
1: are you referring to ancestors of Lemuria, Mew, and uh, Atlantis?
2: The 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 popes that the, they have the hat that is looks like a fish, and they're part of the fish people. I thought the fish
1: on the Pope's hat referred to Christ when he bred, had the bread and uh, the fish, and that was the early symbol for Christianity.
2: Right. That was that was later.
1: No, um, that was from the beginning.
0: Well, I mean, I don't think there was Christianity before Christ.
1: No, but Christianity's first symbol was the symbol of the fish, was a fish symbol. It wasn't no, no, correct to
0: just saying to the callers point oh. I don't think there was Christianity before so so there's evil fish people but there's good fish people
2: right yeah do some they of have names are, some of them would be uh, the the known fish people are evil there are there are good can
1: you um, name their races and which ones are good and which ones are bad You're saying there's good ones and there are bad ones. You know, do they have names? Do they call themselves anything in particular? I know the general name for fish people, as you're calling them, are called mermen or mermaids or merwomen. And the MERC stands for Lemuria, which was a ancient city that they were alleged to have come from.
2: Yeah, that would be Nephilim, probably. Well, the Nephilim
1: weren't in the water. They were uh, on the land, and they were born of giants. They were giants among, among men.
2: Well, these Nephilim would be, the, would be the water Nephilim. They wouldn't be land or air um, necessarily. Where might I find um, that
1: information? because I, I'm pretty well-versed in most of those type of things, and I don't recall I mean, Mo-
0: Moni is part fish person, well, so...
1: Yeah, true, but that's beside the point.
2: If, if someone you know, a neighbor has a fish finder, the dial to test it, take it in a house, take it wherever there might be testing for ghost hunting... Paranormal and test it. It's a sonar,
0: and, it, and it'll um, and it'll pick up. So it'll pick up the just fish people, or will it pick up regular people too? The
2: dial. It won't pick up won't.
0: anything
1: because it only works in water. But let's not go there.
0: Well, you know what? I, I'll tell you what. My neighbor has a fish finder. I'll have to see if I can borrow it and, and see if I can find any fish people. What should I do if I encounter one, though? Uh, do, do research, do research. Okay. I mean, I guess I caught him a little bit further along when he thought that bit out. Uh, thank you for the call though. Uh, we do have a, we have another call I want to get to before we run out of time. So have a great night. Thank you. All right. 508-996-0500. We'll see if we can squeeze somebody else in too, but I think this might be our last call because I think I know who it is. Good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. Hello.
3: What's up, Playboy? Hey, play, uh. <laughs> what's going on? What, what's up?
6: So I'm thinking. You think we'll probably find Abe pagoda with that? <laughs> it's a different thing. is still alive? Hey,
0: no, no, he. Not. I know he died, but he only died a few years ago. Yeah,
6: so.
1: as opposed to the 20 other times they said he was dead.
6: Oh yeah, and he looked. He looked like he was one of the Walking Dead, anyways. True. You know. Yeah. So I got it. All right, Matthew, I need your help on something. I've got a. I've got i qu- I've got a joke, and I need you to. I need you to say. How does We've it, got how does it do, how, we got
0: three minutes, Lamone. Just so you know, three quick, minutes. Okay. Quick,
1: quick. Right.
0: Say, how does it do? How does it do his work?
1: How does it do work?
0: Uh, all right, Lamont. Well, like, right, let me just say this. Right.
6: I know. I, I know. Uh, I, I met a new uh, uh, a deaf gynecologist. Now you know how has been nice. say, how does he do his work?
0: How
1: does he do work?
0: He reads lips. Oh, oh come, come on! on. <laughs> I should have just dumped you for that. Oh. That was
6: clean. No. Now, hopefully, it's, tell me, hello Eileen, well, it's been a while hear, since we heard your voice, hello, um, uh, So uh, now you know that Elisa uh, Lam, you know, she, she was from uh, Hmong, you know the Hmong, yeah. the Hmong people, yeah, Yeah. Now, Vietnam, do you, you, yeah, do you remember back in, she was uh,
0: Chinese, in, she, she was yeah, but, but the Hmong go England. all the
1: way from Cambodia all the
6: way
0: up there yeah oh,
6: and so so what happened back in the 80s from, they were having like a lot of the people dying and a lot of the people are dying while they were sleeping a lot of the young men and stuff and around that age
0: right that's age and stuff. So, what inspired west craven yeah
6: yeah and so but then i told you what west craven told me about back in 1997 what i used to scare my kids with freddy krueger all the time oh hey but um it's like he told me the real truth behind Behind uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, but I have to tell you that on another episode, so they'll have to do it next week. So, um, are you going to have the show live to, live next Saturday? I believe so. Why don't you do? Can you get on the tube again? Because I'm sure that no. all the people have called. We'd love to see you guys on the tube.
0: No, it's not working. Well, we got to wait till they rip the studio apart. I think.
1: Yeah, and that's oh. starting in what a couple of
0: months. Yeah. Not for a while. They got to do the newsroom first. Yeah. yeah.
6: I bet you if Tom Brady was still there in, in New England, they'd have that stuff fixed a long time ago. Uh, you know I don't know I mean?
0: if the two are connected.
6: I don't. I, I want to say they are. You can see some crazy black guys that they are. You know, when the boss come talk to you about it. So I think I think they're truly, truly connected together. So, um, all right, I have uh, all right. So I have a couple things I want to say, but I guess sixty seconds, Lamont. Sixty seconds before we're out. Oh, okay. Well, um. I just want uh, I'm not gonna go there. Right. I just want to say thank you to everybody and hope all of you guys have a wonderful evening. And you think Stephanie will be back next week? Also? Uh she
0: said she will be, yes.
6: Uh, oh, I've got something I gotta tell her too. So we're gonna have boatloads of fun next weekend. So all next right. week
0: so, the Lamon show. Got it. That's right. <laughs> Take <laughs> care, yeah. Lamon. Don't I sound very good too? You do sound no. great. Always call on this line. Yeah. Damn that reefer. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Have a good night. Later, Playboy. All right. That's See you later. God bless you. All right, uh, we are just about out of time. Uh, Just a real quick note. I don't, you know, I try not to promote uh, Midnight Society on Midnight FM too much here, but uh, you definitely want to tune in uh, on this Monday. Uh, Normally, we don't announce. Until Sunday, who our guests are for the week, but it's almost Sunday. So I'm going to uh, give you a little bit of a free preview here. Monday night, we'll be joined by Keith Johnson, the very first ever spooky South Coast guest. He'll be joining us uh, Monday night on Midnight Society. And it's been a while since we've had him on this program. So there's a lot to catch up with Keith on. And of course, you know, we're going to talk about the Conjuring case. He was the first person, along with his brother Carl, to investigate that. So that'll come up along with some other things as well. I think you'll all really enjoy it. But we will come back next Saturday night. Uh, for another edition of this program. And if you want to reach out to us during the week, you can do so, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, at spooky sc. You can like us on Facebook. Uh, you can also reach out to us individually as well. Well, to me individually, Moniz is, you know, social media dark. But you can find me at Tim Weisberg. That'll do it until next week. For Matt and for Matt and for Stephanie, I'm Tim. Stay spooktacular.